Siakam backs down. The double comes. Barnes gets it, puts it on the deck, spinning, fading. Oh, Scotty B! You know, the NFL had the chance to do the right thing. I believed that the NFL was going to be on the right side of history for the first time ever. Fortunately, the NFL did what the NFL does. The impact that they've had on Toronto FC, it, it's undeniable. I understand that you have to defend your quarterback. I understand that you just can't come out and, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want Deshaun anyways. I understand. I get it. I have to do this because I have to appreciate it. Yes, and we're back. Welcome to Ray's Sports Rant. My name's Ray Rout. Welcome, everybody. Let's tune in here on the Dean Blundell Network, deanblundell.com. Happy Thanksgiving, Canada. Hope you're all doing uh, well on this beautiful, beautiful day. Oh, nothing like preseason basketball, right? Especially if you're from Toronto and you're trying to forget that baseball exists after that collapse on Saturday night. You know, when you think about the preseason, you can't set the bar too high. You can't set it too low. You can't really have a bar. It's the preseason, right? Like most people, you're probably going to wait until things matter, right? Until the games matter. Regular season, that's when basketball matters. But there's still a lot of stuff you can take in from the game. You can see how the starters are playing. I mean, we finally saw some valuable minutes coming out of the Toronto Raptors starting rotation on Saturday. First game in Toronto because they've been all over the globe. Well, the country, Canada, promoting. I guess that's what happens when you're Canada's team. You got to go play different places. But I was happy with what I saw last night. Don't let the score and the loss to the Bulls, uh, take anything away, because I, I really liked what I saw, and we're going to get into that. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. Follow us on our uh, the Dean Blundell Network Twitter account at Net. And uh, any aspiring writers out there, let me know. Recruiting for the website. At, send me a DM on Twitter. Shoot me an email, too, if you want. Ray at DPNSports.com. All right. Time to have a good time here. On this Thanksgiving Monday, for the Canadians, for all my American audience, happy regular Monday for you. Uh, let's bring in our guy. He's the host of the Adam Up podcast. He's the host of the Locked On Nets. He's the host of the uh, One Giant podcast. He's a writer for the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Ombright. He produces, I don't know, like 4,000 other shows or something like that. Not sure when the guy sleeps. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Ombright. Adam, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Happy Thanksgiving. You guys can then, uh, up in Canada, you can let me know if I'm going to have any problems with my family because it's like you're in the future. Does Thanksgiving turn out okay for me? Does it work out in November? We had some screaming matches up at the cottage last night. We'll put it that way. We we, we had some family talk. Uh, we, we hit all the staples of Thanksgiving. Uh, we got it. We started with politics. Like You got to start Thanksgiving with politics, right? And then 
we got into uh, to sports and we argued about the Blue Jays. And then I was cheering for the Mets last night and my dad was cheering for the Padres. And uh, so all of a sudden he told me he's been he's been a big fan of the Padres for years. I don't know when the fuck that started, but, you know, it was just... at the time it looked like they were going to go on a run. I just really felt a connection to the San Diego Padres. I think the moment his son said, "Yeah, I'm cheering for the Nets because or for the Mets," that that <laughs> that's where it came through. And my whole thing was, is like the Blue Jays are out now. Uh, you know, disastrous Saturday for for Toronto Blue Jays fans. And uh, Casey Stern, who's been on the show many times, he's a Mets fan, so I'm like, ah, I'll support Casey. Like last year, I was cheering for the Red Sox for my boy Connor. You know what I mean? Like I kind of like if the, if if I'm my team's out, I try to cheer for my my friends' teams. You know. Ray Route, kiss of death. Don't come anywhere near my New York football giants. Thank you so much. They look good again on the weekend. Beat come Green now. Bay. Hey, knock it off. Come on. Don't look well, now. It's because I put out. Everybody's like, look what Dayball's doing. I'm like, well, when you have a clone of Josh Allen, that's what happens. Just say that and just watch Bills fans get all <laughs> fired up. It's amazing. <laughs> all right, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on here today. Um, so listen, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I've... I've pulled out the, you know, the extended highlights or whatever you want to call it from the Raptors game Sunday night against the Bulls. And I kind of, I broke it up by quarters. So we'll kind of like, we'll watch it quarter by quarter and kind of give some commentary. And then I pulled out a couple of comments from the pundits around Toronto uh, of what they're kind of sort of, what the thoughts were coming out of the game. So let's start. Let's look at the first quarter of Chicago, Toronto last night. I think Toronto's got one more preseason game, maybe two before the season kicks off in a, uh, a week, a week, right? Week. Yeah, nineteen eighteenth will be the official kickoff there. Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, we're getting close. All right. Really? So here was the first quarter of last night. Three Alvin preseason games heading into this evening's contest. Get out of these games unscathed. Yeah. You don't want to have anyone have any type of serious injuries or even nick injuries. You just want to make sure you stay in the rhythm. Get everyone involved. As you see, Fred Van Vliet, he's involved early on. Garda Levine and. Also a Vucevic cross-court pass. Here's DeRozan, four on the shot clock, in the circle. That's that's all day long. Siakam backs down, the double comes. Barnes gets it, puts it on the deck, spinning, fading. Oh, Scotty B! Doesn't go. The other way, DeRozan gives it up. And Vucevic. Gary Trent Jr., two of the top steel men in the league, and you have to be careful dribbling against them because they will initiate an offense from the defensive side. Lucevic to three. Continue to prove his three-point shot. Young fella has a lot of game coming out of Illinois. Had a good season last year. And you see Gary Trent Jr. with his shot, you know that's automatic already. Give opportunities to OG, Pascal, Scotty to finish in the paint where they're very strong. DeRozan guarded by Siakam. Seven on the shot clock. Rising up, the jumper good once again. Here's Fred, under six minutes left here in the first quarter. Pascal gets it back, spins around. After the initial stop, stays with it. Fourth overall selection, seasons ago. Barnes, here's Van Vliet, the three! Good from Westwood Hills. It's a 16-4 run. I was fortunate enough to have someone like Pooh Richardson. You know, remember yeah. Pooh Richardson and Lionel Simmons and Doug Overton. There's a lot of NBA players. You see Chicago getting a bucket. Toronto by eight. Here's DeMar cut off by Siakam initially over top Barnes. And he knew he had to go high off the window. 
professional scorer. He's a professional. He was born yeah. to score. Yeah. Here's Caruso, the dish. And Abusevich with the slam dunk. Delano Banton. And Gary Trent Jr. along with Precious Achua. Here's Levine. It's a long two foot on the line. Switch from one to the next, and they're all the same out there, right? The same. Everyone's comparable. Yeah. Gary Trent Jr. in the lane. And you see the movement without the ball. Banton up top. Kobe White on him. Eight seconds, seven seconds. Banton makes a move. Six seconds. Banton! All right, so that was the first quarter, and I think even the people listening to the audio podcast could have enjoyed that because I I find basketball play by play to be the most descriptive of all this. Sometimes you watch a, you try to listen to the highlights of a TV broadcast of baseball, and you're not exactly sure what's happening. But no, it's uh, just on like I mean they have it for NBA too, but like radio broadcast for for Major League Baseball, it's it's done in a way to appease the listening audience versus the visual. No, uh, mid season form for the Raptors announcer there. I think he's fully in his back. Look at him go. Um, okay, so I'm going to get your analysis in a, in a second. Um, I'm going to tell you, though, as just a Raptors fan, so I'm going to come out from a pure fan perspective. So let's have a little bit of like delusional fan moment, you know, grounded moment. I I was so, dis, not distraught, but the Raptors haven't been able to shoot, even the starters going into this game in Toronto. I think their shooting percentage was like under 30% coming in. Like I was getting very, very frustrated, especially the game the other night. It was just, uh, it was terrible. What I loved about this is number one, uh, significant minutes for the starters. I think everybody played close to the, the 30 minute mark. I don't think anybody hit 30, but it's pretty close. I think Trent Jr. at 29. So it was, it was there. Uh, but the ball was fluid last night. It was moving. I know both teams, right? Defense is preseason. They're not banging. They're not going too hard at each other, but they're moving the ball well. Fred's hitting it. Scotty Barnes is feeling it. Siakam's feeling it. We saw Trent Jr. feeling it. We saw OG feeling it. Like you're seeing the guys who are supposed to shoot and supposed to go feeling it in that first quarter. That I was so happy walking away from that first quarter from the little bit that you've seen. What are your? Th- am I going down the right path? Like it just looked like a team that was starting to kind of get into rhythm and get into their sort of you know season form. Yeah, and I mean they should be right. There's not there, nothing's new here for this roster. I mean you know they're bringing back the same cast. A lot of these guys have years with one another now at this point. So they should they're one of the teams. They're like the Miami Heat, right? They're like certain rosters that have had continuity over the past handful of seasons. So they should look that way. Um, high level in the first quarter there. I mean, you saw some good things. Mid-range game was nice. Obviously, Scotty B gets into the lane there, knocks down his shot. But um, inside-out work is nice. Drive and kick, right? Penetration into the lane, suck in the defense, get it outside, get it to Fred Van Fleet, get it to some of your perimeter shooters. You see Siakam there, backs down his man, kicks it to the top of the key, extra feed. That's the, I mean, that, that's just you know basketball 101 is develop space for some of your shooters on the outside, force the defense to react to you as opposed to dictating the tempo the other way. Um, so it's all it's all good from a high level. I like what you see there. They did a decent job. There wasn't a lot of transition basketball, but in the instances they did have it, you saw the trailer out there on the left wing. It's Van Fleet, who just kind of lies back a little ways, and that's how you get defenses sagging in transition, drop it off, knock down the shot from the outside. So by and large, yeah, it's all, it's, it's all, it's all good, and you like mostly what you see from your starters, especially there. Uh, so I'm going to ask you another question before we watch the second quarter together here. Uh, I guess one thing missing because it's preseason, you're not really thinking it, but again, another return to Toronto for, for DeMar DeRozan, a guy who uh, was traded away during the Kawhi Leonard trade and won that 
um, stung a lot of Raptors fans, and I know stung Demar because Toronto has this reputation of people not wanting to play here. And we discussed this in a previous podcast, but we have this discussion of people not wanting to play in Toronto. You know, Kawhi comes in one and done. We all saw, you know, Tracy McGrady try to get out of here. V, you know, VC getting out of here. Uh, somebody, and I can't remember who it is now, just refusing to show up when they were traded Toronto back in the, you know, the early 2000s. You know, we had our guys, we had JYD, we had, you know, Alvin, we had the, the guys who would play here, but, you had the ones who wouldn't. And then, of course, Chris Bosch left very unceremoniously in, in a contract year. DeMar DeRozan was a guy who dedicated his life to Toronto. And he was like, I love this city. Signed a deal. Said, I'm going to want to play my whole career here. I think he's now on his third team since being traded away. He was our superstar. But I think what we really learned from Masai was DeMar is great, but you need a Kawhi more than you need a DeMar. What's your thoughts on DeMar DeRozan, the player? Well, this, this last year with him in, in Chicago, that was a bounce back year. I mean, um, you looked at it when he went to Chicago, to your point, it was, all right, you know, it, what is the state of his game? He's had some injuries, obviously, as well. From a Toronto perspective, listen, did you like the championship? Because that's what it cost. You had a ceiling to what the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan tandem was going to be for you, just like you saw uh, with Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum in, in Portland, right? There's ceilings to what you can accomplish. I think DeMar has settled into a really nice role for himself. Chicago is the, is a really good fit when you have a guy like Vucevic in theory ball, if he's going to be healthy. So he's still a high level player. I mean, he proved it this past season and I mean, he carried that team for big stretches this past year. I think he's a phenomenal player, but it's dependent on what is the totality of your roster. Would DeMar DeRozan be a great fit on a version of the Toronto Raptors right now? Sure he would. But it's the nature of the NBA, man. If you want to find the right recipe, sometimes you have to be willing to throw out a couple ingredients. And I think that that was understood. Feel really good for him getting to Chicago and looking like he's gotten his career back on track. Is there still pressure to play in Chicago or is the Michael era sort of gone and done now and that the pressure's not like it used to be? It's a big fan. I mean, you know, Chicago is a big sports town, so there, there's a demand there, I think. Although I've talked with some of the guys that cover that team on a day-to-day -day basis, right, at least in this moment right now, they're pretty well set up to make moves in free agency. They're set up to make moves in the draft over the next couple of seasons. So coming into this year, I, I don't know where that bar is. And we're entering a season with some of these prospects in next year's draft class. Chicago could find itself closer to, hey, let's get ready to reset this thing. Getting a guy like DeRozan was a nice stopgap, but it's not going to be the end-all be-all for them. So I think the fan base is also smart. So I think it's okay for them to feel like, let's see what happens here. Um, before we tap into, I don't want to I don't want to lose this thread before we get into the rest of these highlights here, um, just to make sure that we point out DeMar DeRozan, a lot of ISO ball in the first quarter from, from both sides of the ball here. So there's not a lot to learn on that. Um, however, something I mentioned last time we were on from the Toronto side, Communication on the defensive end. DeRozan drove the baseline, dropped it underneath the basket. He drove kick and penetrates, right? You got one from Caruso there as well. The underneath the basket interior defense for the Toronto Raptors in that first quarter would probably be my big takeaway saying, what I want to see them work on as we watch DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls in this one, what are you doing inside of that interior defensive side of the ball? Great, good point. Is it just... Is it just a strength or is it, is it a scheme? What, what are, what are you, what are you thinking there? I mean, they have length, but they don't, we talked about it. They have length, but not necessarily bulk. So it's okay. I, the, the question becomes, and you saw there in a couple of the sequences, I don't know which two defenders were sagging based on either side of the paint, trying to prevent against the outside shot, the wing looks, but then 
if they can kick it to the wing and you're looking to rush the shooter to run him off that line, if he goes baseline, you need to know you have help defense on the backside. So that, that's a rhythm thing. That's a communication thing. I, I will say, as you get towards the regular season, for a team that basically is bringing back the same roster, you expect that to look better sooner rather than it be something, oh, we need to work on that. The Raptors play a lot of man-to-man. And I'm going to go very NFL talk here for all the people who know me. No, but they play a lot of man-to-man. Um, Which they but, should. So do you think that's the route they should take, or should they drop more into a zone? I mean, their length works more in a zone because you, you can say, well, let's cover these areas and use our limbs here on these passing lanes. However, when you think about OG, you think about the development of Scotty Barnes, Siakam, these are guys that should be able to take on their assignments one-on-one. Fred Van Fleet, you saw him in these sequences. I mean, it's what he's been for his career, a pest. Like, that's what his defensive job is. The question becomes, is it worth it to try to start to sag into zones sometimes? Because if Van Fleet is going to get run off his mark through a screen, now all of a sudden the man-to-man defense is what opens up some of those holes in the zone, some of those holes in the lane, and then that can kind of have that, that retraction of the defense, and then what you saw for Toronto offensively, those perimeter looks coming to fruition. But by and large, what did, you didn't see a lot of outside shots. A couple from Vucevic there for Chicago. Most of it was mid-range game, and again, driving those baselines, and those little drop-off passes. Those would be the ones, if I'm Nick Nurse, that frustrate me. Drop-off passes into the lane because it means you're losing your assignment on the penetration, and you're also getting caught ball-watching as opposed to staying in front of your man. All right, so let's watch the second quarter now and see what this team did. That's going to be a big ad for the Bulls. Caruso goes for the steal. Williams, 17 games a season ago. That Young stretches it out and knocks it down. Lead pass. And Delano with a left. Comes up right. Finishes left. Five shots. 12-point lead. Here's... Drummond stretching it out and find players and once again once you have the ability to do that that's going to open up your individual offense even more there's DeRozan scoop shot and a blocking foul is in outside shooting passing he does everything getting better here's a three white and he knocks it down here's Siakam in the corner Van Vliet back to OG up big the closeout by DeMar and OG over DeRozan tough shot he's got all of that to to get there starts with his tremendous work ethic Ananobi the denial on the attack with the left nice deny right there trying to post DeMar up in the mid post and the bucket the other way and it doesn't go saved by Barnes Taken by the Bulls and Dosumu. All right, that was the second quarter. Uh, the the shortest highlights we're going to see today. Let me just say that I love that it opened up with Thad Young hitting that that three because I'm such a big Thad fan. I know he averages like six points a game, but he's a bench guy. That's what he's there for, and I think he can be such an impact to this team. Um, I'll just go. I, I have a couple of things on my mind, but I'll start. We'll just go straight to you, Adam. What did you see in the second quarter, maybe compared to the first quarter? Um, and if you could talk a little bit about the I, no, tell me what you saw first, and I'll ask my question. Well, so it, we mentioned about the the penetration, right, for the Chicago Bulls there. So you see a good sequence where the help defense comes over and denies the penetration. 
But once that happens, it's the responsibility of that first defender to get out in coverage on the perimeter. So then all of a sudden you see the, the outside shot there easy for Chicago in that regard. And then the other thing is, too, just to talk about the, the man defense versus zone looks. The length is a value for the Toronto Raptors. And then whether it's you saw it there, especially against DeRozan, DeRozan's playing at the three, you know, and then depending on where their lineups go. And you could see. He's just more athletic on the offensive end than a lot of those matchups. So that's where you run into some concerns there. But again, I, I would still rely on your help defense in those instances, just about the recovery time and getting out on your assignments on the perimeter. Um, hit me with what you were with what your questions were. And let's not forget to get into Banton here, who I think I may have mentioned being a guy you may want to watch for for Toronto. We're going to get there. So don't get into him yet. He's on the docket. Um, I, so yeah, so what I wanted to ask, is this a preseason thing? So I guess I've, I've admitted to you a couple weeks ago, I've never been a big preseason basketball guy. I've usually, you know, day one, I start watching, but here we are. With the rotation, I noticed it was like, for the most part, top five on the floor, and then six to 10 on the floor, top five on the floor. There wasn't a lot of mix. Is that just a preseason thing, the way Nick Nurse is going through his rotation? Or is that something, is that a, is that a normal preseason thing in the NF, NBA, not to not to mix up your, your regular rotation a little bit more. Cause I don't, you don't see that during the regular season, right? Where it's just, okay, the top five come off six to 10, come on with, I know there's a little bit of a variation in there in these first two quarters, but for the most part, it's been the starters and the bench. Yeah. The difference here for like a Toronto or a team that kind of knows what their starting lineup is. We want continuity for our starters. And then we want to find out who is making up our bench, right? Nick nurse has talked about this, seen some things, haven't been blown away by anybody in particular. I'm still waiting to see who establishes themselves. So the best way to do that is to sometimes say, okay, let, let's have you be outmatched, right? This is a five-man rotation that could be taking on a lot more starters. And the guys that stand out in those instances start to carve out roles. Maybe guys that get opportunities to show better ball handling, right? Better off-ball movement, better defensive assignments. Those are things you can read a little bit better when the, the role players don't have the benefit of your top-tier talent taking on some of those challenges. So for Toronto specifically and teams like that, I think that this makes sense in the preseason. Other teams that are trying to figure out, do we have openings in our starting you know, starting unit? Is there flexibility between who could be there? That's when you want, or new players, by the way. And I'll use the Brooklyn Nets as the example, right? Ben Simmons hasn't played with them. So you're trying to figure out not only how does he work with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, but what does a second unit look like when Ben is on the floor? No Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving. How do we make sure we're developing these rotations in real time? Something that Toronto has the benefit of not needing to do. So let's do a little halftime report here since we're at halftime. I didn't plan this, but since you brought it up, uh, I said he was on the docket. Let me just read a little thing here from Josh Lewenberg of TSN who said, Banton is making the case for a role in the Raptors early season rotation. Where before we were just looking for him, does he make a roster spot? So uh, Lewenberg wrote, Delon Bay, um, Delon, Delano Ban Banton entered training camp as one of the seven Raptors players on a partially guaranteed contract fighting for a spot on this team. But he might come out of it as the eight to 10 guys in Nick Nurse's early season circle of trust. In four games, a 22 year old sophomore is averaging 10.5 points in an efficient 62%. And by all accounts, he's been a very bit as impressive behind closed doors during practice and team scrimmages. When he's at his best, Banton comes into the game and uses his elite combination of length and speed to push the tempo and make an immediate impact on both ends of the floor. With his physical tools and skill set, he checks off a lot of boxes in the ever-versatile and positionless Raptors. It's one of the reasons he was able to beat out a smaller uh, Malachi Flynn for the backup point guard gig out of camp a year ago. So I know you have been very, very high on Ben. So I'm just going to say, 
Go ahead. He's just he's a versatile player. This is what Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors have built themselves on. He gives you more length. He gives you more size. If you're going to use him solely in the backcourt, that's something where, again, it's a product of who's been their best players, a Kyle Lowry years ago, a Fred Van Fleet in more recent memory. Uh, his speed, his desire to push the tempo, that can actually benefit. We talk about, okay, you're seeing a starting unit and a backup unit. When you start to flex into that second unit, we always talk about players uh, – that are willing to push the tempo and want to push the tempo. Um, Banton is a guy that wants to push the tempo. Pascal Siakam is a guy that will push the tempo. And that's just purely predicated on what his skill set is. It doesn't diminish what they are. Giannis is a guy that wants to push the tempo, mostly because he takes one stride and everyone else takes nine, right? Like (laughs) there are players that are built to get out and run like that. And then a lot of point guards are built that way too. So I think if you're talking about utilizing the length and the size of this roster overall to the biggest benefit, Having a player like Banton is going to serve that function. To say nothing of the fact, Malachi Flynn, we talked about him last time. He's been struggling to consistently carve out his role. If you're Toronto and you want to take this leap or become the, a more of a top five or you want to think about threatening to be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference and being a team that can really go win playoff series, things have to happen. We mentioned it last time. Scotty Barnes, take the next step. OG, get more consistent. Banton would be something that essentially comes out of left field and all of a sudden helps dramatically change one of your deficiencies, backcourt size and versatility. Instead of having a guy you can pick out on the defensive end and say, let's build for the switches, something that in playoff basketball matters tremendously, Banton helps safeguard against that. So I I can't speak highly enough of what he can bring to this team. It's just going to be about bringing him along and developing those skill sets throughout the season. And they can afford to do that. They're going to win enough games. They're not, you know, in a, in a position to miss the playoffs. So you can sacrifice three or four wins in the season to make sure that he's ready for what you maybe want to have him do later on. All right. So the third quarter is very became very interesting. Um, so let's take a look at this because the starters pretty much played most of the third quarter, and things started turning around for Chicago. So it's about three minutes. It's our longest one today. Let's take a look, and then we'll come back and get Adam to break it down for us. He started off already. And the turnover. And Levine, the corner three, and it's a 5-0 run to begin the start of the third. Rosen. That's going to be a huge addition. Alonzo Ball improving his three-point shot, passing the basketball. Great look by DeRozan on the inside. Loco getting the start on Friday in Houston. Here's Pascal backing in, spinning. Feeling that defender right, and then shot doesn't go. OG. was a great look by Siakam. And here's a steal, and DeRozan lays it up and in. He shut me up a little bit. <laughs> Van Vliet, they'll swing it, OG. Siakam, here's Fred. Got it. Rebound comes to Green. DeRozan backing in. Green's going to take a three, and he's fouled in the act. 7.35 left here in the third. Vucevic backs in. Levine, the three, good. And the Bulls overcome a double-digit deficit. They lead by one here. And the Bulls come away with it. Out running is Green. And the largest lead for the Bulls. It's a 9-0 run. And the last one to get back as well. Someone else has to fill that role. Raptors, they've turned over Chicago 17 times with just 12 points. 
off of that, and Vucevic going to work at a thing that once the regular season got underway, you kind of knew it's like, okay, it's going to be there. Pascal, no! strong kick. Good move by Pascal. I, I've all, I always worry because it seemed like I always had to prove I never really had a spot. So it's always about earning the spot, earning the trust of a coach. You see DeMar getting to the baseline right there, finishing with the reverse layup. Manton with it along with Trent Jr. Siakam, Coloco, and Ananobi. Pascal the three. Got it. Ties it up 69 69. 415 to go in the third to Rosen. The no look. And that's what we're talking about right there. Four point lead for the Bulls. You, hey, your game though. Said, I love Alvin Williams' game. AI said that. That's a quote from AI on. Hernan Gomez over to Achua. And the three is good. Another ball reversal. Ben right there penetrating. Barnes, Ananobi, Hernan Gomez, Achua. Here's Hernan Gomez to three. Got it. All right, so not a disaster of a quarter by any means. I think just when I watched the first two quarters, the, to me, the Raptors look like the better team, right? Like you walked away from the first half and they look like the better team. And that quarter, I, I think you'd have to say like Chicago was the better team. I know your analysis is limited based on the highlights that you have. You know what I mean? I, I understand that. But from what you've seen, what, what was the sort of difference you saw in that third quarter than we saw in the first two quarters for the Raptors and the Bulls? Continuation for Chicago on the offensive end baseline. Baseline for DeRozan was there consistently. Um, that Dasunmu, uh, you know, breakout there. He penetrated the entire lane without any resistance, and then kicked it to the corner for a Levine triple. So you know, just zero resistance inside the paint. And then probably the biggest one defensively there. You saw Vucevic, which by the way, he, he's a quality player and he creates mismatches in a lot of situations. But he arguably is a tough one for the Toronto Raptors because he's big and physical enough to play on the inside and he has the outside shot. So you can create some mismatches that benefit his game. But there were multiple occasions there where he was getting the ball down low with two defenders around him and he was finishing. So lack of denying the ball and the penetration to begin with and then a lack of denying the opportunity to basket. Now, again, and everything we're saying here, it's preseason. Guy may go for a harder foul in a lot of those instances, just try to get send the message to Vucevic. So there's that there's that piece of it for sure. Offensively, I don't I don't see anything that really bothers me. Again, fairly consistent team in that regard. So I, mostly, I would think, and Nick Nurse is probably looking at this way too: is defensively, how are we cleaning up this stuff? Because everything through the first three quarters feels like. How do we polish off some of this nonsense on the back end on the defensive side? Not so much about the offensive end where we did see uh, a weak side rebound there for Pascal Siakam, kicks outside, second chance opportunity for Van Fleet. Those things matter too uh, on the offensive end where the Raptors are, uh, they're actually among, I think they're the second in the league last year in terms of offensive rebound. So using those opportunities to give yourself those second chances matter too. Yeah. And obviously we all know the Raptors are built to be a defensive team. Like it's not, it's not a secret, right? That's who their defense first score second. And it's just not the most typical approach in the NBA, but one that has been effective for them. Uh, we'll quickly bang through this fourth quarter here. Again, at this point, the score no longer matters. It's all the reserve team. The Chicago Bulls reserves beat the Toronto reserves. But let's just take a look so you get an idea of what's coming off the reserve bench there. And uh, we can wrap up this podcast and let Adam go do whatever he does on his non-Thanksgiving Monday. But he's doing a good job of earning that trust from his coaching staff. Go, 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 go. 
First time we see Justin Champagny in the preseason. Oh! Rexdale! 45 throws it! It's one of the things that Nick Nurse mentioned. He's got nice for the basketball. Those things where to be. And Drummond knocks down his second three. And what that did for him, he said, well, it gave me late game situations to make plays that put in the individual work in tough competition in different environments. How FIBA is a very physical. Limited, but he made the most of it. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned he has a nose for the ball. He's one of the best offensive rebounders I've seen in that. Machua. Backing in. And Precious. Ties it up. Using his strength and size. Chua to a nine, six points, five rebounds. In the third three for on. Why are you looking like? And the three-pointer good there. On the run. And Derek Jones. Raptors are just two for 13 here in this quarter. And scooped up by Green. Green flies in and throws it down. Largest lead of the night for the Bulls. And I found out quickly. <laughs> so don't show up at a pro-am at halftime after spending a couple of days in Miami. Not at all. I would Tyreek Evans. To 10, Kobe White's going to bring it across the timeline. And he splits the trouble. And a three-pointer is good during the regular season. And that's going to do it. I want to point one thing out that I kind of love because I covered football for the last five years, and I'm now able to cover all sports and when you cover a sport adam as you know you pick up little things that you don't really pick up when you just watch a game as a fan but i love that you got the reserve raptors on the court and the starters are standing up and cheering and going nuts as if it's you know a playoff game where like in the nfl tom brady's got his back to the field in the third quarter and they're all just talking like they're not paying attention for a second what's happening on the field so i kind of love to i love to just see that um Okay, so this came from Jamar Haynes of Raptors Republic, and it said the Raptors rotation shows best preseason performance and loss. So I'm going to just read you really quickly an excerpt of what he said. I want you to tell me after everything you've seen if you agree with Jamar or not. Jamar said, Sunday's game against Chicago was the closest example of a walkthrough for the regular season so far. Starters playing time approached the 30-minute range, topped by Gary Trent Jr. at 29. Most of the guys fighting for the final playoff spots only saw a snippet of court time in his single digits. For the most part, things went well before the Bulls' reserve took over in the fourth quarter. It's been no secret that the Raptors have struggled shooting from three in the preseason at 24% overall. The box score from this game uh, wasn't kind either, eight for 37. However, the looks from the rotation players looked better. So from everything you've seen, how did the rotation look for you? How did the guys who, I don't want to say this meanly, but really matter to this team, like what was your overall view on their performance today? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I agree with most of it. One of the things that you that you do usually say in the preseason is, well, you know, you can watch a play in an NBA game and see that the ball did or did not go through and make your determination whether or not it was a successful play. 
That's not accurate. And the preseason, a lot of times, can be predicated on did steps one through four get done correctly? If those got done right and step five is the shot from the corner and that doesn't go down, that's okay. If you're Nick Nurse, you can watch that and say that's all right because the process is correct and we feel like we're going to get there. Now, the other side of it that you would look at for this team as it heads towards the regular season is going to be you did struggle from beyond the arc. There's a bit of a double-edged sword here. You need to be good from beyond the arc, just in the NBA in general, and Toronto needs to be good there. One of the big reasons why is because, and in this game, when you look at their stat line, and, and this could have been skewed by the fourth quarter and what some of the bench players were doing, but they were 22 of 31 from the line for 71%. And if I just go in and look at some of the guys in the starting rotation, Siakam's at 50%. So your starting unit actually did a really nice job from the line. So you can, you can probably feel okay about that. So this is where... Uh, final box scores can skew the numbers. They are not a good free throw shooting team. They need to be a good free throw shooting team because those guys are going to get fouled. So like there's these, these little breadcrumbs. I've always said it in the preseason as what are the seeds that you're planting that you think can be built on successfully in the regular season? Right now, it looks like the process is correct for them. It looks like the bench unit is coming into form. Now it's just about tightening up the areas that you think you need to focus on. Again, though, Talk to me five games into the season. You can you can lose things in the, in the preseason. You can screw stuff up and raise a lot more questions that you thought you had. Toronto hasn't brought up any new questions for themselves, and they've potentially introduced a couple of answers to questions they had. That's the best case scenario that you can have coming out of the preseason. Love that analysis. Adam, you and I have one more day together before the Raptors kick off their season, so I'm sure people are excited about the preseason finally coming to an end. I mean... Again, maybe it's the football guy in me who hated the preseason, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, I'm so depressed after Saturday's Blue Jay game. I really just need the, I need the Leafs and the Raptors, and I just need things to go into full motion now and start playing. But hey, the Giants won, the Patriots won on the weekend. I mean, everything's looking up. Adam, tell the people where they can find you, everything that you're doing. Over on Twitter, at Adam Armbrecht, you can watch me talking about the Giants, talking about the Nets, talking about the NBA, the NFL, all that good stuff. The One Giant Podcast on YouTube, the Locked On Nets Podcast with my boy Doug Norrie. Give him a follow. Why don't you? Uh, I'm out there, man. And, of course, on DeanBlendell.com, uh, where the articles and the content and the Adam Up Podcast are going to start ramping up fast and furious as the regular season gets underway. But let's be honest, friends. I've got a lot of ducks to get in a row here <laughs> as I wear more than enough hats, but we're really excited to get the NBA season kicked off and to continue talking a little bit of Raptor basketball with my boy, Ray. And I highly suggest that you follow Adam on Twitter, not just because he's in front of me or just because he's my boy. There's little Easter eggs that you get from him. And he drops these jokes that if you're not paying attention, you miss, but <laughs> it doesn't always feel like people are, but that's okay. I'm not doing it for everybody. Absolutely. Just kill me. Um, Anyways, you got to do it. You got to you gotta check them out. And that music means that we are done here on Race Sports, man. Thanks for tuning in here on the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. Follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. Make sure you download the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Castro, Google Podcasts, uh, basically any podcast platform on the planet as well as DeanBlundell.com. Follow our Twitter account at DeanBlundellNet. Until next time, never forget, you're all legit, kid. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. 
Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.